We're here for Halloween 6. Oh. The Curse of Michael Myers. We've watched five Halloween movies so far. So when they went to make this movie, there was one problem. Our good old pal Mustafa Khan had lost the rights. That so, doesn't sound like a problem. It was a problem for him at the time, but <coughs> there was a bidding war. And guess who tried to get back in and bid on the movie, bid on the rights, the franchise? John Carpenter. He, par- he partnered up with New Line Cinema, and they put a bid on the movie, on the franchise. Meanwhile, Mustafa Khan partnered up with Miramax slash Dimension, which was ran by the Weinstein brothers. Now, if Carpenter had won, the rumor is that his plans for Michael, going to space, baby. <laughs> I shit you not. But he wanted Michael to go to space. That, I mean, that's the rumor. I don't know. It's never been confirmed or denied by Carpenter himself, but that's what they say at least. But that didn't happen because Mustafa Khan and the Weinsteins won the rights. And here we go with Halloween 6, which the writer Daniel Ferens, who was a longtime Halloween fan, group as a fan, and went to work on the script, basically was tasked with trying to make sense of part 5, which we know was a clusterfuck of plot with thorn tattoos and a man in black and Michael breaking out of jail. You mean lack of lack of plot. Lack of plot. <laughs> a clusterfuck of a plot. Yeah. Um, Michael wearing a mask that somehow had a long neckline and went all the way down to his shoulders almost. What the hell was Halloween 5, Nick? Um, Halloween 5 was a load of bullshit that should never have seen the light of day, but unfortunately, I'm kind of surprised that it got a sixth movie approved. I want to say it was a quality of a fan film, but I've seen many fan films better than Halloween 5. It's, it's pretty hard to mess up Michael because you've got already a set formula for him. Nick, if we put you in a Michael Myers mask right now, I turn on the camera on my phone, and as you walk across the room and walk back, and I hit cut, and then put that online, that would have been a better fan film than Halloween 5. you got to make sure to add something about family. Are we trying to do Michael Myers slash... Fast and the Furious 15? I mean... I mean, Michael Myers might as well we, be the should we break template. Out, should we break out a Corona and be sitting at a picnic table in the backyard? To be fair... Michael Mike, joins the family, doesn't Michael he? Michael Myers is the Halloween version. Uh, Halloween is literally Fast and Furious horror edition because it's all about family. And Vin Diesel has the same superpowers that Michael Myers has. <laughs> right? And, people, I mean, and pe- people come back to life in that franchise as much as Michael does. Oh, my gosh. Everyone's Michael Myers in those movies. Anyways, so basically there's a lot of turmoil, turmoil in terms of how the movie got to this place of production. But once it started making it, everything seemed to be going well. But unfortunately, the first cut of the movie was not appreciated by the Weinsteins, who responded by basically blocking out Mustafa Khan and the writer, Daniel Ferens, and just them and the director making kind of a new cut of the movie, which would become the theatrical cut. Theatrical cut. Then we have the producer's cut, which for many years nobody could find, but now is actually out there on Blu-ray. So you have two distinctly different versions of the movie. Today we're going to really just focus on the theatrical cut. Down the line, maybe someday we'll review the bonus. As a bonus episode, we'll do the producer's cut. If you're hearing the review today, this is completely focused on the theatrical cut. Yep. Uh, we acknowledge that there's another cut, but I'll be honest, just a smaller front, I prefer the theatrical cut. I Let's give the writer, first of all, some credit because who the hell knows what to do after part five? I mean, they left it in a place where it's like, ah! uh, I know what they could have done after part five. Throw it away. <laughs> Start over. Start fresh. Exactly. Well, you could have, but I mean, at this point in time, you still wanted, they still wanted Loomis to be involved, of course. So if you bring back Loomis at this point in time, Jamie Lee Curtis had given no hint to the idea of returning the franchise. So you're bringing back Loomis, you kind of got to go with the storyline he's been a part of. Give him a different storyline. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Back then in 1995, circa 95, this whole rebooting and starting the story over again, it really wasn't a thing back then. They, stories try to usually stick to like the... The original continuity, for the most part. Now, if some shit's not popular, they just start over again. We see it all the time, but like part three. Yeah. Well, no, that was just an anthology thing. I mean, exactly that it was originally supposed to be an anthology thing. It didn't work, so it went back to what worked. But starting over would have been them just having Michael come back in a whole different story, ignoring one and two. We've seen that since then, but that didn't start until H two O. So, anyways, now what they want to do was originally bring back. Young Daniel Harris. And unfortunately, they wanted her 
And in my opinion, it makes no sense because when we get to this one scene, we'll see why. But from what I've read, they actually wanted her to do a nude scene. And she was, she was down for it for extra pay. Because I've also read that apparently if she would have came back for it, Jamie Lloyd would have had a bigger role in the movie. Now, when you say extra pay, I'm on the IMDb trivia page. And what it says is that she wanted to reclaim her role as Jamie, but turned it down when Dimension Films refused to pay her $5,000. So maybe she wanted 5000 extra uh. and Dimension was like, no. Even though that seems like a very small amount to not, to not bring back the actress who was in your previous two movies, who the fans expect her to be back. Right. Give her the damn 5000 What the hell? And if what I've been reading about that script is true, the original script is true, she would have been in a good portion of the movie, which means give her what she's owed. Ah, now, interesting. Let Ooh, me go, you found something better? Let me go further with some more, some more background. Okay. The filmmakers were looking to cast an actress who was at least 18 years or older because um, they could do more hours, I guess, as an 18-year-old versus being a minor. She was only 17 but still wanted the movie. Therefore, she got herself legally emancipated from her parents so that she could work longer hours without having to go to school. Hmm. She spent time and thousands of dollars on this legal process, but ultimately turned down the film due to her dissatisfaction with her character's story and Dimension's refusal to pay her salary that would have recovered her legal fees. Ah, uh, uh, okay. So she actually, they want an 18 year old. So she's like, look, I'll get it emancipated. She goes to the legal process, but then she finds out that, wait, what are you doing with my character? And <laughs> number two, you're not gonna pay me enough to actually recover the legal fees. I just spent on this process, which make, which makes no sense. I mean, that shows dedication. I would hire her on the spot just because of that. She showed dedication to do the role. So since then, um, Mustafa Khadr came out and said that he wished that she could he could have got in the movie. So I think this might have been a Weinstein thing where they're being cheap with the budget and didn't want to pair. This is their first involvement in the franchise, so they didn't care about Daniel Harris. Either way, because of that, not going to get Daniel Harris here. We're going to get a replacement actress by the name of J.C. Brandy, who, I mean, that's tough coming and taking over for Halloween fans. It's an iconic role. I mean... Well, we thought it was going... Honestly, you would think oh, it'd be oh, tough. Oh, oh, wait. Actually, it was very tough. Because check this out. J.C. Brandy, who took over the role of Jamie in the film and was treated poorly on the set because of the recast. Well, damn. <laughs> this production really was a shit show. Yeah, it was. She came into a hostile environment just because she's taking over a role. It's not her fault. I mean... It's not It's not her fault. It's the, Weins- it's the Weinsteins. Or somebody's fault. I, I'm thinking it's more the Weinsteins because said Mustafa Khad is... Said nothing but kind words about Daniel Harris. Well, he's worked with her two then. times before this. He already knew how she worked. He knew how she would take. So he knew what kind of buttons to push for certain scenes. I think the wine scenes, because they're fresh, they're not valuing. They're not valuing how important she is to the franchise at this point. But the other part of it is, though, it does say that she was dissatisfied with her character's arc. Now, all that said about bringing her back, what happens in the script, and my knowledge, is what was going to happen to her. Script. Oh yeah, she, she was still planning. This is a bad use of her. She was still planning to die, but from what I understand, she was going to die later. Yeah. Well, I and ho- not getting shot in the head. Yeah. <laughs> and the, spoiler on the producer's cut, she gets shot in the head. I mean, it's pretty uneventful in the producer's cut. Um, For a character like that, she needs a more epic death. It's hard to, it's hard to want to see her uh, to say she needs a death when you've well, pretty much grown up with this chick. I read an article one time that basically made the point that, no character in horror has ever had such a miserable life <laughs> than Jamie Lloyd. If you track her from Halloween four until what happens in Halloween six, because the movie's going to tell us basically that the essentially at the end of part five, she was kidnapped mm-hmm. by this cult and then has been enslaved to them for the last six years, I guess as a sex slave. And we later found out. And so the character Jamie Lloyd, unfortunately, was just not done well. And if they did re- reboot the franchise, you would kind of do her justice if you brought her character back and ignored some of these movies. But um, I think I got. I mean, hell, you got eleven timelines already. What's You're right? What's, what's one what's more? One more gonna do to fuck up anything? So. And Daniel Harris has been acting ever since, so her acting abilities would have gotten better. Let's pick up with the actual Jamie Lloyd who some nurse is going to help her escape from the hospital. We'll soon find out. And this is how y'all know 
how my thoughts of the movie is. Because I got a question. Why did this nurse stay behind? She says, save yourself, Jamie, and your baby. But you're right. You're both escaping. Why are you staying there, lady? I know why. Because we, so we can get a death scene pretty quickly. Because <laughs> the stupid nurse walks into what I can only describe as a cloud of darkness. So dark in front of her that you can't see anything. She turns around and we get the classic shot of Michael walking out of the darkness. Which is, which is actually done pretty well, I should add. The director, Joe Chappelle, I, I'm going to come out and say it. But I'm going to give some early thoughts right now. Uh, this director does a hell of a job with some of these shots. <laughs> Michael coming out. The first thing you notice about Michael is he's put on about 75 pounds of muscle since part four and five. Well, I mean, six years later, you know, he probably has a dad bod right now. He does have a dad bod, but it also looks like he's bulked up. Just, <laughs> like, this is the first Michael that, to me, is like, again, not saying he can take out Jason, but it looks like he could stand next to Jason and make it look like he probably could fight him. <laughs> Human um, Jason, definitely. Because he has a swag to him, too, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but, first of all, he, of course, has to impale this woman's head against the wall and then do the little held, head tilt as he admires his work, as yep. he does. And then... We see a drunk guy die because he was too stupid to get in the truck. <laughs> if you see someone in the truck and they're saying something to you, panicking, don't keep walking forward saying, huh? What? Huh? What? Honestly, at that point, why didn't Jamie just drive away? It's like, because I'm pretty sure she was trying to tell him, like, get in the truck or run. She's trying to warn him, but he keeps just being like, huh? I mean, what? I know what? he's drunk and all, but even drunk people have common sense to an extent. He's about to lose all sense because... Michael, his head gets ripped off. Michael rips his head off in one smooth motion. <laughs> so already, one thing I like about the movie already is that it's brutal as fuck. This is way more gory than part five. Yeah, Michael ain't playing around this time. Luckily for Jamie, she's in a truck. The truck starts. She's on her way. She makes it to freedom. Yep. She drives all the way to Nilbog. Yep. And we never hear from her again. Yep. Movie she's over. Somewhere drinking green milk right now. Yep, movie over. Have a ah, good day, folks. wait a minute. No, she decided... Don't bring up the fucking bus station. She decided to take a bus to Nilbach. She stops at the bus station. Now, this bus station is abandoned because... The guy will be back in 20 minutes. The reception is back in 20. I mean... That uh, must have been one big deuce he needed to take. I mean... <laughs> the rest of this movie is this, is this person's fault because... <laughs> she just wanted some help, but he decided to go to the bathroom. I'm sorry. The rest of this movie was also Jamie's fault. Why didn't she just continue to drive? She stops the bus station in order to make a phone call. A phone call that could have waited till she got to town. Very true. I agree with that. Because we find out the town ain't that much farther away than what she was. <laughs> That's a bigger question. She doesn't actually call the police. She calls a, a radio station. With an asshole DJ who is actually doing an episode, apparently a show about Michael Myers, uh, which both Dr. Loomis is listening to and then... On the other side of town, Paul Tom, Rudd playing Tommy Doyle is listening to. So actually, I guess she made the right move because everybody we, we need to listen to this radio show is actually listening. You know, she could have done a better move by driving there. Because again, we've already proven you can drive to this bus station from Haddonfield in the course of an hour. Well, not only that, but the smarter thing too, again, park your car in the back because you're parking around <laughs> the main road. Michael's going to drive by... If he doesn't see your truck there, he keeps driving. Whee! Michael on an adventure. Maybe he drives all the way to Canada. You never see him again. But instead, he sees your car, truck, and now Michael arrives at the bus station. Michael's there, and now she's stuck in the bus station, and Michael's checking every stall to see who's using the bathroom. It'd be funny, before getting to her, he got to that back in 20 person and just killed them just for taking just for shits and going giggles. way over their designated <laughs> way over their designated break time. All right. Yeah. Just for shits and giggles. Like, you know, you took a little while. Uh, you're going to die now. It's like, how dare you leave for 20 minutes? We need, there's somebody that needed you. You that her death is on your hands now, but she's okay because she Mike leaves. opens a stall and she's out the bathroom. She's out the window conveniently in her. Conven stall. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, the reason I say no is why would you put a bathroom window in the stall where someone could possibly look down and watch you tinkle? I think <laughs> I just thought about that. Like, but why? But I feel like this is not the first time I've seen them do this in movies where the character's in a bathroom or something and they're trapped. 
And then there happens to be a window nearby and they're out the window. Yeah, but that's it's different when you're it's, not allowed to have a window in a bathroom, are you? Uh depending on where. You're not allowed to have a bat a window facing a stall, like inside the stall itself. It can be on the outside of the stalls where huh. you just like you know, where you can wash your hands because who's really gonna get naked in a bathroom? The good thing is she's out, she's in her truck, she's driving. Then she gets and she's safe because we know Michael can't dr- Oh, shit. We just mentioned that he drove to Canada. She, she <laughs> looks in the mirror, and who is behind her? A freaking white van. That crashes into her and makes her go to a barn where she then becomes part one with the corn. That's right. Michael She's Myers just becomes fa- one of the children of the corn? No, one with the corn. I, um, she changed her name to Michael Isaac? Myers kills somebody in the children of the corn land. Because we're in a barn, there's hay, and where there's hay, there's probably horses, and where there's horses, there's probably corn. Don't ask me why I'm saying this, because it makes no fucking sense to me either. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. Either way, so she gets gored. Gored? Gored. What does that mean? I mean, she got fucking gored, man. Gored? She got impaled on some... Wait a minute. You growing up where you grew up, you should know about what kind of some know about farm equipment. What what the hell is this machinery she gets impaled? Do on? I look like I work with farm equipment? Either way, so she gets impaled by something, something that electronically can move. What? what how does Michael know about this farm equipment though? He's like he immediately reaches for the handle. Apparently, whatever Jamie apparently Jamie Lloyd pissed him off within the past six years. Why is he killing her? He's thinking. I've been trying to kill you since you were a kid. <laughs> this is the best moment of my life. You're 17 now. Die. In a very painful way because she's impaled and then the motor's on. He just leaves her there. Yeah, right. But unfortunately for Michael, the baby's nowhere to be found. Yeah, because she replaced the baby with paper towels. Which also makes me think, damn, you're a bad mom because you just left the baby in a abandoned fucking bus station well i mean what could she do michael's at the, michael's there she doesn't want to take the baby with her because she assumes she's probably gonna die but my question is if she had gotten away let's say she actually got away what the hell was her plan to somehow come back and get the baby you know you, you know because that plan she... makes sense if you know you're going to die but she was on the road driving away so you know how you can uh how she could have gotten away not stop at the bus station. Uh, we, I mean, we've established that. Right? <laughs> I'm talking post bus station. She's driving away before Michael comes behind her. What was her plan if she lived? It's like, oh, well, I'm alive. I got it for Michael. Oh, I left the baby back at the bus station. Which, realistically, a baby needs to be fed every four to five hours. If the baby cried while Michael was there, that would have been do- he would have been doomed. If the baby cried while anybody other than Paul Rudd was there, the baby would be doomed. No, I mean, if a normal person finds a baby, he's going to... He's going to take him to the hospital where the, curse of, where the cult of thorns is going to know where he's at. Okay, but <laughs> Jamie, given at the bus station I mean, she does with Michael right powers. behind her, she has very limited options about where she can hide the baby. Granted, she she does have psychic powers. But not that, but she was right. She died in a way where if she had, bring, if she had brought the baby with her, Michael would have got the baby. So she was actually correct. Which I will say, even though I'm still not a big fan... Of the scene, I do love the shots of Michael just pretty much circling her like a rabid wolf. I, I like this scene a lot. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I know that fans are pissed off because it's such a bitter end for the beloved Jamie Lloyd. But if they decide they're going to kill her off, then... I mean, she was only beloved in the fourth movie. She did nothing in the fifth movie. And then she dies here. Well, she's beloved from that fourth movie. <laughs> <laughs> but look, you know what? This is a better end for her. Than Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween Resurrection. That's for sure. It's a way better sequence than that. Don't don't I try mean, to defend Resurrection, it, all right? Anything is better than Halloween Resurrection. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, maybe not Halloween Kills, but... It's also better than Rachel Carruthers from Part 5. <laughs> fair. Yeah. That is definitely fair. Um, so, Jamie Lloyd lasted a little longer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, at least this is like an... Exten- and she went out somewhat fighting. This is a pretty long extended opening sequence. Mm-hmm. It's it's It has a chase scene. It's, it's all right. Let's talk about how crazy tommy doyle is in this movie so tommy doyle makes me think of one of those kids who child celebrities yeah he he got uh he got bullied as a kid which granted we have seen and then after the events got so traumatized that he most likely continued to get bullied as a kid 
because the little kids in this town are fucking evil. You talking about the ones that were chanting to Jamie? Jamie's an orphan. Jamie is like really. Yeah, if Tommy Doyle grew up in that environment, he's probably screwed. Yeah, because then where Tommy Doyle is, you saw the boogeyman, you almost died. Nee, 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 nee. You know what's interesting to think about is because this is the same timeline as Part Four. Somewhere in that town was Lindsay Wallace. <laughs> Do they keep in touch? Are they cool? Why isn't she? A part of this story, her and Tommy together should be like both paranoid about Michael, especially since Lindsay was friends with Rachel and actually knew actually knew Jamie. Especially since Lindsay, I granted when she was younger, liked Tommy Doyle. They probably never interacted again after. <laughs> right. It's like once something happens, the parents are probably like, um, nope, you're not hanging with Tommy anymore. <laughs> um, but anyways. It, by this time, they hadn't really established canon-wise that part four was Lindsay Wallace hanging out with Rachel. So give him a pass on that. But uh, Tommy it does live across the street from the Myers house. He makes me literally think of a school shooter. I'm sorry. that He does. The way he talks, the way he walks, the way he acts makes me think. He's purposely making his voice creepy. Yes. He talks. Like, why? Why My, do you need to I, do that? I know the truth. And Micah will come back. He sounds like Hannibal Lecter. And the way he's sitting there looking like all smiling. Like, he's going to come back for all of us. Well, this is Paul Rudd's first movie. And he definitely made some some decisions here for sure. He's, I don't think it was him. <laughs> but think about the back of story here. So he basically, he's renting a room from Mrs. Blankenship, the woman who actually lives across the street. Who talks just, about Just so he can news. spy on the Myers house. Yes. Now... I have some questions. Which this. eventually ends up having a uh, naked woman. Over, I mean, a woman stripping with her window. Why the fuck? He's just watching <laughs> for Michael Myers activity, all right? Why is most women, when they're getting undressed, because of movies like this, by the way, purposely get dressed with the blinds closed? You're telling me this woman is going to have her blinds open? Well, I don't think she'll make that mistake again after seeing Tommy peering at her from across the street with a damn microscope. A telescope. Uh, Microscope? A telescope. It's been a long day. Okay, so well, she won't make that mistake again. Um, My question, you know, there's not enough time to stop this movie, but what does Tommy do for a living? Like, does he have a job? Is he literally just... how He's supposed to be a teenager from from his age standpoint. I mean, huh? I mean, no, he's supposed to be a little bit older because he would have been a teenager around the time of... Actually, it would have been like, what, no. 16, 17 by part four. And that's six or seven years that was before about, this movie. Yeah, that part, that took, that was uh, seven years before this because part five takes place six years before this. And part four is 10 years after the first one. Right. So he's probably like 16, 17. And then... May, yeah, so he's, he's in his early 20s. It's like 22, 23 ish, probably. So, why is he acting like. He, he's dedicated his life to the pursuit of. Michael Myers. Yeah. But he still needs to make money, though. Cult of Thorn. Drug dealer. Cult of Thorn. Making... They're, they're paying him. They're paying him? They're paying he's him. against them. Why would they pay him? Because why <laughs> not? They're, they're keeping Michael's memory of, for this town. So, Michael will constantly have power over the town. Actually, what's very interesting is that Miss Blankenship is actually with the Thor. <laughs> so she's renting a room to somebody who's upstairs. She can hear upstairs like, he's investigating the shit out of us. <laughs> he's played that Thorn video on his computer 11 times this week. What the hell, man? Or So Miss Blankenship probably was keeping tabs on Tommy. Or there's also a good chance that Miss Blankenship, because a lot of the times you see her, she honestly looks like a woman that could be slightly Alzheimer's or dementia. So he could be playing off of her acting like that. She does seem very... She's probably with him playing naive. Right. As if she has Alzheimer's. Well, then probably and by, her, by herself, she's like, yeah, like... Because when she tells that whole boogeyman story, she's very... She's pretty freaking lucid. Yeah. I think she's just playing games with Tommy. So you're right. Probably she's writing reports to the Cult of Thorn like... <laughs> Tommy Doyle is, continues to investigate, so he probably is going to be on the hit list eventually anyways. Tommy Doyle is talking creepily. Tommy Doyle is watching a woman strip naked. The rent has gone up here. <laughs> I will charge Tommy higher rent because he's weird. My leaves are not raking themselves. HOA won't leave me alone. Say I need to mow the backyard. 
Thomas. I don't think there is an HOA here. Look at damn there the better Myers be a, house. There better be a neighborhood watch or something. Look at the Myers house. Look how much shit is in that driveway. Old cars, old busted up cars. There's so much shit in that driveway. You're t- there's no way there's an HOA there. We should talk about the Strode family living at the Myers house. Yeah. What a coincidence. It's the Strode family or related to the, yeah. the Strodes. It's, 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 Strode, it's Strode's brother. Strode's brother. So Strode was a realtor. Yes. And he's given his brother a hell of a deal. Yes. By selling the Myers house. Because he couldn't sell it to anybody else. And the Strode person has not told his family that they're in the Myers house. Yes. Good job, buddy. You've doomed your whole family. Yes. By the way, not the nicest guy in the world. He slaps his daughter and calls his grandchild a bastard. And then the grandchild has a knife to his nuts. Hey, Grandpa, I like you, buddy, but... I don't like him. Okay, well, <laughs> I don't think that little kid likes him. I hate you, Grandpa. I'm going to stab you in the... For all... I'm just mad that the kid didn't go through with it. I mean... Um, it'd be okay for a normal kid to act that way. The fact that this kid is being targeted by Curse of Thorn to be the next Michael Myers, that's ah, the wrong kid to mess with. It should have been fine. You know, the back in, back then they were starting to do that thing where they always had like a human villain on top of the actual villain. And it just so happens the human villain looked like Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, wow. Interesting. <laughs> um, Plot twist. <laughs> Everyone on st- every, all the civilians also knew. Well, Loomis comes to the hospital and is actually meets up with with Tommy Doyle, who actually, they have a quick reunion, and then Tommy's out. And Loomis, knowing Michael's back in town, goes immediately to the Myers house, because from his experience, shit's always going down at the Myers house. And the first question I would have asked if I was Loomis is, why are you here? But instead, he sits her down and tells her everything. The rage inside of my... He has to give a speech. Yeah. It's the rage inside. I've been his doctor. I shot him six times and the rage won't go away. And then he finally goes, by the way, why are you still in here after hearing the story? Well, she asks, like, why would he come here? And she says, this is the only house he knows. All his memories are here. Get out while you can. And uh, there was a little bit of Arnold Schwarzenegger there. I was about to say. Get to the chopper. <laughs> Get out and go to the chopper. Go. What are you waiting for? <laughs> Get there now! <laughs> so, so, hey, she takes his advice. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Or she tries to take his advice. Well, she gets, well, okay. She's a loving wife, so she thinks, first thing, I'm going to call my husband and yell at him. <laughs> no, she was trying to call the husband and say, hey, this house is dangerous. Let's leave. And then he yells at her, and then finally she grows a backbone and goes, fuck you. Well, no, she goes in a whole spiel about, you knew this was the Myers house, and you didn't tell us. We just fine. Get off your chest. But all this time you're talking to him, Michael's in the background be like, will you hurry up and get off the phone so I can kill you? Right. She, this is valuable time she could have used to get the hell out of the house. All right. So Michael kills her with an axe off screen, most likely beheaded or chopped into pieces because he puts her in a washer. He tries to wash the guy's wife so that way when he sees her again, she's at least clean. Well, this is a cool death scene to me because she gets stuck in the sheets, the laundry, Makes me think of Pennywise. This is how they did the laundry back in the 90s. Yeah, to be honest, that's how my brother still does it. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Because of these kind of scenes, exactly why I wouldn't do it that way. If you're being chased and you go into your backyard, it's just a a bad setup with a killer round because you're falling. Well, she falls and drops her glasses. Pennywise, Michael Myers, and Jason will not get you. We're not in the right areas. Pennywise actually killed a kid in this exact kind of thing. In the- yeah, and so and Jason was hidden in these kind of things in part three. Yep. And Michael, first of all, <laughs> I don't care how many sheets are there. As big as Michael is, you should at least see his like legs, his feet walk around and shit. You'd think. But she's blind too. She hasn't, she hasn't yeah, glasses. honestly, he's horror portation in this one too. A few times, not a whole lot. Either way, Michael kills her, and this is the first case of a really innocent person being killed for no reason just happens that in husband. this movie anyway yeah true what about the men in black he's there in part five we got to bring him back well we haven't even gotten to the dad's death yet that's after we see the first see the men in black ah, i don't care the, about that the men in black is targeting young danny oh by the way actually i will say one thing about men in black um for anyone who plays games you'll know that the man in black is actually the main character from bloodborne ah which means don't fuck with him, because if he can kill demons, he can kill you. <laughs> I, he could probably kill Michael. 
it's amazing to me that we're this far into part six even. We still have no idea what's going on. No idea what's going on. The Men in Black, who first appeared in part five, is still showing up randomly here. With pantyhose on his face. I I don't understand what's going on. (laughs) Why couldn't they have dropped the Men in Black storyline altogether? I don't understand. Because then part five would just be cut from existence, which actually would probably be a good thing. We need to know who bailed Michael out of jail then in part five, I guess. Yes. So now let's talk about the dad's death. He gets fried. Kentucky fried. Kentucky fried. With coleslaw. Oh, yeah. Potato wedges. Yep. And then kaboom. Mashed potatoes. Well, his head became mashed potatoes. Hey, listen. (laughs) This is a character that you want to see get his comeuppance. And he did. And, you know, I usually hate these deaths where someone's thrown into some kind of electric thing because usually it's just they catch on fire and they electrocute. But this movie goes extra mile. And blows up his head. His head explodes. Which uh, I just want to mention one thing. Uh, Michael is still classified as somewhat human throughout this movie. How did he not at least get hurt? Because he was holding on to the guy while being fried. Wait, wait, wait. wait. The electrical current would have went through Michael too. Why are you thinking he's classified as human? This is full-blown fucking zombie Thorn Michael, all right? (laughs) (laughs) This is not human Michael at all. Uh, the, no, this this Michael is still classified. No, as no he's not bullshit. We've seen <laughs> we've seen him take enough punishment now, where he's clearly transcended to something else. Not in this movie. Well, let's talk about this festival now. There's um, a very, there's a side plot that really means nothing, where the radio host has come to town to do something and talk about Michael Myers because it's Halloween. And this is the most hated character ever, so what do we do with him? We tell him that the main that the characters live in the Myers house. Which makes him want to go to the Myers house. Which also I want to slap this guy because of what he says to the to the guy's girlfriend. Something about uh crotchless panties and barking like a dog. Yes, and I'm just like, if that was my girlfriend, I would be beating the living shit out of you right now. Credit to her, though. She looks disgusted by him. She doesn't she does. entertain his words at all. So. But then again, you know, the Bride of Frankenstein only likes Frankenstein. Astute observation, <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, she was dressed up as Bride of Frankenstein, and he was dressed up as Frankenstein's monster. You know, you would have slapped him, but truthfully... Mike... Oh, I wouldn't have slapped him. I would have been on top of him beating the shit out of him. It's okay. Michael's got... My- Michael has your back. Yeah, because somehow Michael, after killing the dad, somehow teleports... Horror ports... Over to the correct van, by the way, mutilates this guy. I don't understand because, first why? of all... Why couldn't my, why couldn't we just wait until this guy got to the house? There's that, but then... Okay, beyond the, the problem of just, how did Michael get there so quickly? It's like, why did Michael go there? And, okay, did Michael know that the guy was coming to that van? Is okay if it's the guy's van, I guess. But what makes more sense is the guy actually got into the wrong van. He got into the <laughs> van that Michael happens to be in. But why is Michael hiding in the back seat waiting? Right for him? again, it would have made more sense. I'm fine with the death, this guy's death. But what would have made sense is move the guy, let the guy drive to the house where Michael's already at. Michael sees him, then fucking kills him. There's there's just no there's no plot reason for Michael to target this guy. This guy, he's a dick, yes, but he's a random radio show host. But Michael has knows, knows nothing about him or cares nothing about him. There's no reason for him to be at the festival. But I know why they did it for the audience, so we can get this cool shot of the dude, the cool shot of the blood coming down from the tree on the girl's Falling head. Falling on the girls. He's like, it's raining red. <laughs> it's a cool scene again, even though it makes no sense that the guy was there, Michael was there. I do like his body falling out the tree. And now we get some other shit, though. We get... Well, here's a real question. Yeah. I, I just thought of this. So Tommy Doyle goes to that park to look for Loomis. Yep. Okay. Why didn't he just tell Loomis, hey, come to my place? Because he ends up immediately going to their place afterwards. True. I think I know why. Because in 1995, <laughs> it wasn't... So, okay. Well, two things. On a time standpoint, from a time standpoint... If you're trying to give information quickly, you quickly give a public place where someone knows to go to versus being like, ah, oh, a 5824 Blankenship Road on the corner of... That's a lot for Loomis to process as you run away with a baby. That 
So you ready to hear this? It's not. There's no. There's not GPS back then. So so. so you ready to hear this? He lived across the street from the Myers house. That's true. He could have said across (laughs) the Myers house. Hey, hey, Loomis, the blue house across from the Myers house. You'll see an old lady answer the door. Walk in. Okay. There's another reason. Typically, you're safer in public places than you are in houses. In terms of, Michael's less likely to be at the festival than he is at your house. He's planning ahead. He knows probably Michael is going to be around the Myers house. So you leave the girl, the baby, and the targeted kid alone at a house. But not the Myers house. At a different house. Across the street. At Ms. Blankenship's house. Most likely the house where Annie and them fucking died in. Well, here's the thing. We don't know how the thorn communicates with Michael because if if Mike, if Miss Blankenship works with the thorn, then she could have told them to tell Michael that, hey, everybody's over here just chilling. And Michael could just skip some steps and come over and kill them. But I don't think they communicate with Michael like, in that way where they can give him information like that. I don't think they communicate with him at all. There's some communication for sure because... They think he's under their thing, but he's not really under their thing. He's literally after his own thing. He just wants to kill the fucking baby. Yeah, but that's because they told him to. <laughs> no, because he wants to. Because they put the curse on him. That's a part of the curse. Allegedly. Oh we God. still don't understand the point of this curse. I do. He explains it. It's on the computer. <laughs> it's on the Every- Wikipedia. Wiki- computer. It's on the Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow in 95, uh, Tommy Dole has this like, very advanced... Uh, Computer profile of the Thorn Curse. Oh my, um, I, I must have been pissing on this movie too much while we were watching. I must have missed that part. You were talking so damn much. You, <laughs> you missed. You talked over all the, the the plot points. Because fuck that movie. Oh my god. And it kept saying Boogeyman, reminded me of a movie I'd rather be watching. A shitty movie called Boogeyman. Yes, I haven't even seen it. I bet it's shitty. Um, Probably. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let me bring this back off the rails. Beth and Tim come home from the festival. To make whoopee. Mainly to have sex. But also, interesting enough, don't they expect that the radio host is coming over to meet them there? Yes. So they have sex anyways. Yes. He said five minutes. It's been seven minutes. Let's go have sex. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about Michael in the shower. Or Michael being a good Samaritan and handing Tim a towel in the shower. So Oh, it's Tim. Not uh, Michael okay. is, wants you to be dry before he kills you. Right, because, because he doesn't he, want it squirmy. If he kills you and you get like water over his hands, he's not, not happy. Well, he's probably still kind of annoyed by that scalding hot water from part two true a cool shot here of him slicing young timmy's throat and then just slowly going back into the darkness where pretty sure the girl should have seen that i think the shower was disconnected from the room though it it would have to be yeah it wasn't a it wasn't a a master bedroom so i don't think that the the shower was in there also i like how beth was more worried about the fact that our main girl was looking at her through a telescope versus there's someone in the fucking room behind you. I, I thought that was smart because her first thing was like, you can see me. So I just had sex with your brother. I don't think she was thinking it was that serious in terms of Michael Myers being behind her, but unfortunately is. And now she's dead. Too. And Michael Myers did not like her. Oh my gosh. He stabbed her like how many damn times? The problem is he stabbed her in the back. And that does take like a, Probably a solid five or six stabs. Oh, he probably he, he probably severed her spine like th- a good three or four times. Michael's no fucking joke in this movie. <laughs> and that triggers Danny to walk across the street to the Myers house. Because he's curious or because he's been cursed with the future. He's plan. been thornified. And, um, you know, being a good mom, she has to run over there after him. And, and then has to face down Michael Myers with. She does. She beats the shit out of the back of his head. She sends him flying down the stairs. I would have stabbed him. Yeah, but that's... Here's the thing. When you stab him, it's almost like there's too much interaction with him because it's not a quick hit. Here's, here's another question. And then you have to let go of it, whereas if you hit him in the head, you keep it in your hand. Afterwards. Here's another question. Why didn't she run out the house? That's what she should have done. Like, she, she, elects, <clears throat> she has a head start on him, but she likes to hide and hit him in the back of the head instead of just running Which, away. to be fair, as we're going down, I'm sitting there thinking, Michael, how did you not see her? No, no. <laughs> no, the, the, the stairs is blocked off perfectly to where you could, I guess, if he's looking in the other direction as he walks. In this movie, Michael never looks to his left for some reason. <laughs> and, well, you'd think he would still be able to see her out of his peripheral. Yeah. Because he's sitting there walking, turns around towards the right, and then gets the damn fire poker up his head. 
I got a feeling Michael strictly looks ahead with no peripheral. <laughs> like, from what I've seen, the way he walks and stuff, he only sees right in front of him. So uh, that's why he falls down the stairs and breaks his neck. Yep, so movie's over. Michael's dead. Time to go home. Yep. Except Danny will not move. Danny's like, oh my God, it looks like Michael Myers. Can I get your autograph? Damn it, Danny, you little punk. Oh, Danny just sits there and stares at him like, and this is why no one likes kid actors. Because kids don't like to listen. Yep, and she tries to get him to her side, and she does, but then... Michael grabs her, and I'm assuming the sound we're hearing is him breaking her ankle, though it's never thought of again. Well, did you hear the sound when she smacked the shit out of his wrist with the the hot poker? (laughs) (laughs) Because I feel like she broke his wrist. <laughs> He's like, oh, his, well, his, his hand clitches up immediately into a ball, <laughs> which is probably the real reaction. He was like, God, she probably actually hit him. He's like, I, he's, he's like, I didn't plan to let you go, but that really hurt. <laughs> so we get, a, we, we get a fun little chase, a nod to maybe the first one with Michael walking across the street. But as Nick's point up, Nick pointed out as you watched it, Michael walks with such a swagger in this movie. He's like just confident. Confident and it's he's not actually, like super slow robotic, it's like a nice little swag walk, right? At least, and then we finally get a reveal of who the men in black are. And well, I, I appreciate that Tom Lee Jones, Will Smith made a cameo in this movie. I know, right? They're on the couch, and Will Smith stands up, he looks at everybody, says, You know what the difference between all of you and me is? I make this look good. And Tom and Lee then, Jones trying to say something, and Will Smith slapped him, and then slapped him. He said, Keep my wife's name. Out your motherfucking mouth. And then Mike, Michael Myers busted through the window, grabbed a hold of Will Smith, and pulled him out first. <laughs> he said, this is for Chris Rock. <laughs> and then Tommy Lee Jones went out there saying, I'm going to get my gun. Tommy Lee Jones looked at the window and said, oh, shit. Benicio Del Toro's back on the hunt. <laughs> He's back on the run. I got to go. Uh, um, anyway, so back so to, the, to our real. We got the actual men in black, Mr. Oh, Dr. Wynn, from the first movie, which answers... A very important question that was always on the series. How did Michael learn to drive? <laughs> Dr. Wynn was giving him lessons since he was a kid. And the real question I got is how? Michael would have been... Michael was one of the most looked after person in that sanatorium. How did Wynn get him out of that air, out of a watchful eye to do that? It would have been after hours during the middle of the night. And that's why Michael is so confident driving at night when he breaks out the place. Dr. Wynn was preparing that whole time to escape. With and, the lights off. And even more so, and the answer is another question. How did Michael escape in the first one? Who opened up the gates and did all this stuff to where he could get out? Dr. Wynn was obviously responsible for his escape. But Loomis showed up to get the gates open or to let them know that the gates were open. And that's when he attacked. So He was already out in the yard, though. He was already escaped. So why didn't he just leave? Because he was waiting for someone a car to come so he could hijack the car. So why why didn't Loomis just go for? You know, a lot of shit could have been done if Loomis just moved forward. Look, man. <laughs> under <laughs> under stressful times, people make mistakes. All right. Under this man has shown multiple times under stressful times, he doesn't make that many mistakes. Still, it's just his adversaries happen to be fucking demonic. That damn right. <laughs> So let's talk about Carib jumping out of the window. Whee! If this was Friday 13th part four, she'd be dead. No, she wouldn't have for one reason. Uh, Jason always threw them out extra. That was added extra gravity power. If we watched them both in slow motion, she flew out that window with the same well, force. Remember as the girl from part four. Yeah. And she lived. I'm talking the one about who landed on the car. I'm talking about the main girl. Well, she landed on a piece of metal, not soft ass ground that broke her fall. All right. <laughs> Uh, okay, you're talking about um, a Trish. Yeah, and she jumped out the window, same height, landed on her back, which probably should have paralyzed her. No, but if you watch, remember that movie, she landed in like soft mud. Like when she hit it, it was like a big puddle of mud flew up. It was all mud. Kara in this one landed flat on hard grass. It looked on like. her face. Yeah, hard it was face. grass. Grass breaks her fall. So we cut to Loomis and Tommy standing there, and Nick looked at me and said... Why aren't they dead? <laughs> and then Tommy looked at Loomis and said, Why aren't we dead? And I said, What in the mother... I was like, Does Nick have 
a mind control connection with the Tommy Dole character? What is going on here? No, I've, I just watched the movie before. I'm calling mind control. So Doc Loomis says it's his game and I know where he wants to play. And that means we're headed back to Smith's Grove. So I still got a question. Yep. Why didn't they just kill Tommy? I don't know. Tommy's expendable. Do they want to kill people unnecessarily, though? How unnecessary is Tommy when he literally knows the whole operation? Well, no. Do they actually kill people, or does Michael do all the killing? We never see them kill anybody. So, um, do you remember? Did you not remember part five, hmm? where he killed the entire police station? Oh, but he had to do that. <laughs> That's the only way to get Michael out. So, well. So what? He didn't have to kill Tommy Doyle even though he could ruin their operation? I believe 100% that maybe he doesn't actually have a gun on him. And then they're not the stab... The police station, he went in there with like a shotgun and like a machine gun and shit. Tommy gun. Yeah. Well, I don't think he's like a take out a knife and stab you person. Maybe Miss Blake and shit. He most likely had a gun in his pocket. I got the answer for you. He said, Loomis, part of the plan. Tommy Doyle, dead man. Kill him. Went to kill him. Miss Blankenship said, no, I like him. He's lived with me for the last year. He's a good kid. Let him be. Miss Blankenship stopped them from killing Tommy Doll. And my theories are ridiculous. <laughs> this makes perfect sense. <laughs> She's, he's been living with her. She has a connection She's with She's probably dead, too. <laughs> we never see her after that. Oh, shit. No, she's still, <laughs> she's still in the house. She kicked them out the house. They're outside. They woke up. She said, get out of my house. She's back in the house. Well, wait a minute. Woke up and told him to get out of the house. She was the one holding the baby with the knife. Yeah. She's about ready to stab the baby. That was all just a threat. Totally. What I'm saying is, if you're saying how to time you live, that's the best explanation I got for you. Uh, anyway, so now we're in the hospital. Get a little ex- Get a little bit more explanation that feels so rushed and incomplete because well it literally was because <laughs> the scene with loomis and win talking the office that's a reshoot uh loomis has already died loomis had, had done a previous conversation a different conversation with win that's in a producer's guide right this one is they took loomis's scenes and they had the doctor then record him responding to him separately and they put it together so they're not actually in the same room here when they're talking but the reason is because they wanted to get away from the cult storyline. The cult storyline was really hard to explain in terms of what these people, what their intention was. We didn't know what the purpose of the baby was. We didn't know if Danny was actually going to become the next Michael Myers. So right here, we just have a dialogue saying that, Loomis, I want you to join me in something. And then gets knocked the fuck out. Yep. And then we get... Michael, for the first time ever in these movies, besides massacring an entire group of people without separating them, he runs. First thing we have, we have uh, Tommy running to an insane person who's been stabbed by Michael and says, how does it feel to be damned? And Tommy, as I would say, says, oh, shit. And then we have Tommy breaking Kara out of her room. Uh, Kara was definitely more safe in that room at that moment. I think he'd already committed to like 11 hits of the door without opening. <laughs> and then when he sees Michael, he trips the fuck out and says, yeah, uh, I gotta I, go. I, I love his reaction when he sees Michael. He's like, hi, buddy. I'm not doing anything. Bang. He's <laughs> like, yeah, you can just turn around now. Bang. It's like, dude. He took so long. I'm going to say he went to shock. <laughs> it's like, at that point, I was just thinking with the way he was looking, I was like, are we really about to get a fight scene with Paul Rudd and Michael Myers? That was going to be a quick fight because this is not Michael versus Ant-Man. This is Michael versus Tommy Doyle. And if that happens, evil will not die tonight. Evil well, will live on. I assure you. So he gets Kara out. They do a little chase. He, he walks with a swagger. Now we get to our... Massacre. So this is where the movie differs from the producer's cut in one big way. Everyone in, does. In the producer's cut, Michael does stay basically a pawn of the cult. This is goes with Tommy's narration in the beginning, which says you really can't control evil. Michael has been controlled, but he has his own agenda, and it's to go into this surgery room and kill the entire cult. Yes. Except one guy who, at the end, managed to escape. And now we see Michael running after him. Now, this is the best scene in the movie to me. <laughs> They're down a, a tunnel corridor. You got uh, Kara, Tommy, Danny, and the baby— 
You got some random hospital dude, and you got Michael running his ass off, pissed off, with a, with as much swag as you could ask for. Right. This is peak Michael right now. <laughs> and then he forces the guy through, which um, I don't know if maybe the dummy broke or something with this scene, <laughs> but it looked like the back of the head just popped off. <laughs> did you notice that? I did. Michael has superhuman strength there, man. I mean, so it's like, pop. It's like, did a mannequin break or was that intentional? Michael's strength cannot be denied in this movie. Let's just say that. Um, now, now we get to probably one of the weirder parts. Uh, Michael of this movie. seems to have one kryptonite in this movie. In these movies, tranquilizers. Well, are are we still? Are we? I'm unsure if this is tranquilizers. Tranquilizers aren't fucking green. Not like Ivan oozes ooze. Have you ever seen the Ninja Turtle movies? Well, yeah, that made them. That made Super Shredder. <laughs> so why didn't we get <laughs> Super Michael? <laughs> They, they might they might be in trouble because this was the fucking ooze from Sicker the Ooze Ninja Turtles 2. Like five minutes after this movie ended, this Super Michael came up. That's why he's gone at the end. All right. It's either tranquilized or it's that's fucking ooze. Right? <laughs> Shit. Um, in the moment, it allows them to beat the shit out of him with a pipe and put him down for the, the seven count. And then when they're leaving, Luma's like, no, nah, there's unfinished business. Like, Loomis, you don't need to do this. Yes, I do. Ah! Now, now, now <clears throat> many may not know. After the, the original cut of the film, they wanted to go back into reshoots to do a whole new ending. But Donald, Donald. Pleasance had died after mm-hmm. the original cut. So they were faced with how do we do a new ending but still keep the... All we have is the Loomis scenes we already filmed. So in the producer's cut... Loomis goes back in the building and he finds Michael. He finds somebody there in a Michael mask, but it's actually Doctor Wynn who then passes the Thorn Curse on to Loomis. I'm pretty sure doesn't Loomis shoot him first and actually kill him to get that curse? Or... No, he finds him on the ground already laid out. He takes the mask off and it's Wynn, and Wynn's like, "It's your game now, Loomis." And then Loomis, the tattoo appears on his wrist. Right. And you see Michael walking off in the man in black, or in the black, <clears throat> man in black costume, basically. But if you keep that producer cut ending, how do you do a sequel? Because there's no more Donald Pleasance. So you had to go with a different ending that didn't tie the rest of the franchise to Donald Pleasance. So we get this ending where they're using the scream from Michael when he got the thorn tattoo on him. Then he does that scream. Mm-hmm. They use it here to imply. In my opinion, just that he went back and found that Michael's mask was there, but the body was gone. Nah. Um, so my opinion is Donald. This was technically Loomis's death to Michael, because the only reason, the the main reason, is after the screen goes black, we do hear what sounds like a knife sling unsheathing thing, which has been used multiple times to indicate death in this movie. I disagree because I strongly believe that Michael purposely never kills Loomis. We've seen too many interactions where he just wants to get Loomis out of the way, but never kills him. This is also the same Michael who broke his vow of never running. (laughs) This is the same Michael that shoved a guy's head through a grate so hard that the the top of his head popped off. Okay, this might be the one version of Michael that kills Loomis. <laughs> but I'm hanging on to the fact that Loomis might still be alive. Because in every other timeline, he's still alive. So, that's all I'm saying. To be fair, he died of old age in every single timeline. Yeah, I just want a respectable end in all the timelines for Loomis. Um, all right, that's it. Let's get to categories. Categories. Best performance. Uh, so, obviously, we can't give it to Donald Pleasance. I'm actually giving it to the guy, actor that's playing Michael. I know it's the same one that we that I think you've actually given them negative in a previous one. So this may or may not change your opinion. Most of the movie is George Wilbur from Part Four. Mm-hmm. The reshoots, which is that whole ending, is a new Michael. It's a different actor. Yeah, well, so they didn't bring him back for the reshoots. Yeah, well, but either but movie, most of the movie is him. Yeah, and honestly, a lot of the move, most of the movie. Is still the Michael I personally like to see. He's still, even though he has the, he still has that walk, but this time it's the walk that I feel like if he actually 
wanted to, he sped up. He could actually catch somebody. <laughs> he is someone to actually be feared instead of someone who's just like, I can just walk away from him. I don't even need to run. Michael being slow has been a complaint for you in the last like, couple yes. movies. So. This time, it actually looked intim- This whole time, Michael looked intimidating from how big this guy's gotten, from how strong this Michael is showing. He, he walks like a normal person again. In the first movie, he walks <clears throat> at a normal pace like a normal person, and, yeah. he, and he can walk fast. Mm-hmm. Starting with part two, then four and five, it's like it was all just that kind of super that slow, robotic. slow motion walk. I don't know. But that's fair. I'm going to go. It's kind of tough, man. Honestly. <laughs> as silly as he was in some scenes, I'm going to go Paul Rudd for one reason. Because I've seen another Tommy Doyle. And, I, <laughs> and this is still so much better than Halloween Kills Tommy Doyle. And I think he makes for a good hero. Ultimately, I'm, I'm rooting for him. His weird voice stuff inside. I'm going to go with Tommy Doyle. Paul. So my worst is probably also going to be Vic's worst. It's going to be the radio talk show host. <laughs> He's just a dick. He's a dick. Fuck him. Uh, Tim should have beaten the living hell out of him when he said that about his girlfriend. And then his death made absolutely no sense. To the plot of how Michael even got there, or why Michael would even go there, that it just didn't give me a satisfying death for the character because it made no fucking sense. <laughs> you couldn't even die right, jackass. I wonder if that death was in the reshoots because <laughs> I feel like they probably realized like we need to kill this character because he's so annoying. That's why you just get him to the house. The original plan. That is my pick also, but I want to go back and amend my best performance. I just thought about somebody who I think is by far the best performance. It's the damn dad. <laughs> this dude's a great villain. He has a line at the beginning where he's like, enough of this Michael Myers bullshit. And then uh, just he's just a, a good villain, honestly. Uh, I'm going to go with him on the best performance. And Worst he had probably one of the best deaths in the movie, too. Absolutely. Worst performance, I'm going to go with the DJ also because I... He's kind of an unneeded character, and it's kind of just like, what? All the best performance thing, let me uh, me say. I don't want to give her best performance, but I do think the actress who played Jamie Lloyd was fine. Mm. I can't hate her just because it wasn't Daniel Harris. She did a good job with those opening opening 15 minutes. Especially finding out that she had a hostile work environment. Because she wasn't Danielle Harris. You know, no one should have to go through that. She's already under enough pressure due to the fact she's taking over a role from somebody else. I, if it's true, I wonder who was actually a dick to her. That's, we don't, we'll never know, probably. So. Uh, from the sounds of what you were saying about Mufasa, I don't think it was him. Nah, he seemed like a reasonable dude. So he, He's the one who put in the contract that Michael can never die. In these movies, so. <laughs> <laughs> any movie involving Mustafa, like Michael, was not allowed to be killed. Why? He's protecting the character. Oh my gosh! It's like, well, I need to do sequels. <laughs> Dude, why? Um, um, all right, we did worse before. Best scene. Honestly, there's like three of them that I could say, but the massacre, then to the straight to the chase scene. Mm-hmm. I think you said it's probably the most action-packed five minutes. Mm-hmm. in the franchise up until maybe H2O. It's um, the most... Fi- so the climax is definitely the most physical that we've seen up to this movie. It just... You get the sense that Michael's pissed off and on a mission. And he's taking shortcuts. He's walking He's just walking through door. He's walking through doors where there's no entrance there. So it doesn't make sense how he got there. <laughs> right. But, Horror protection, my guy. But I'm going to go with that with the runner-up definitely being... Mm-hmm. Dude's head, dude's head's blowing up, blowing up in the basement. So, for me, best scene is actually not even a full scene. It's more of a quick cut. It was Tim's death, because we've seen over and over again, including in this movie, Michael just slowly coming out of the darkness, and all you see is his mask. However, in this scene, after he kills Tim, you see both of them just slowly disappear into the darkness, which is definitely a different take, and it. I actually sent chills up my spine the very first time I watched this movie when I was like 12. Um, <laughs> Tim does a good job with the weird sound effects too. That's probably how, <laughs> probably how you would sound if your throat got slit. Probably. He was just kind of gagging instead of like anything else. Well, yeah, because so. now all your air is coming up through your uh, neck and 
your blood's coming through there. Uh, there's some cool shots there. Okay. Now. Scene. Oh, we're seen. We're seen. Um, hmm. Jamie Lloyd's <laughs> death scene. Okay. That's one answer. Just because I, I don't care that she was played by a different actress. But for one, from what we know of Jamie Lloyd throughout the first two movies she was in, this character would not have stopped to give made herself as vulnerable as she ended up doing in this movie. She would have kept fucking driving. Not only that, but again, with everything that happened, she would not have just frozen out of damn fear, especially knowing full well that she just gave she just gave birth, so she's most likely weak. She would not have just stopped and let Michael grab a hold of her. Just they just fucked that character up. All to hell, just to get her killed. Yep. <clears throat> they could. They, there's so many respectful ways to kill off the character without having to kill the character's personality. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's a fair point. I, for me, worst scene, honestly, it is the the DJ on stage with them, <laughs> and it's it's the the crotchless panty scene. That's, That's hor- awkward. Horrible dialogue. Oh and my god. Very awkward and. Um, out of place in the movie, I would say. Mm. Um, now, getting to what you would have changed. Now, for me, this movie has too much plot that goes nowhere. So I would have cut out half the plot. Um, I would have probably found a way to have Jamie be teaming up with Tommy Doyle and Dr. Loomis. That whole thing then could have been Tommy... Jamie Loomis, even though I like Kara, that would have been more emotional connection if it was Jamie there with them. Um, so, I mean, an easy, I would just find a way to include Jamie in the movie more. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I'll give my final thoughts first. So, uh, can I cha- say what I want to change? Oh, yeah, oh, sorry. My fault. Okay, so what I would want to change is honestly take out all the Cult of Thorn stuff. I know we had to get some form of answers from part five, but why part five was one of the, was definitely the worst movie up to date that we have seen. Why did we need any answers from a shitty movie? All you're going to do is just rehash and make another shitty movie that makes no sense that no one cares about. So yeah, I would take out the cult of thorn stuff and just find something else you could have done. Okay, so you would change the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I, I think you probably could have had... I Yeah, I think you had to explain the Men, of, Men in Black thing. It was too big in part five. So you had to explain that. But you really didn't have to go deep into the Thorn thing. You could have done something with the Men in Black being somebody... You could have still had that been Dr. Wynn and had the reveal of like, Dr. Wynn's been helping Michael the entire time. Or, but Dr. Wynn doesn't have to be a cult, cult, a cult leader. Or hell, you know what else it could have been? Could have been one of the fucking robots from part three for all I care. Happy, happy Halloween. <laughs> Seriously, uh. it literally could have just been a robot from part three for all I care. Just wanting to get some form of revenge on the wrong town. True. Just. Like I said, there's so many things they could have done to make part five pretty much obsolete. And they decided to continue on with it. When you make a sequel off of a shitty movie, all you're doing is making another shitty movie that no one cares about. That said, I'm about to give it a great final thoughts and give it a plus review. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I know. Now, actually, I do think fans are coming around this movie a little bit. It's not seen as bad as, like, say, Halloween Resurrection or Part 5. I'll be up front. The movie's a mess, plot-wise. It is a mess. It has a very uh, convoluted plot, which it asks so many questions, it really gives no answers. So, story-wise, plot-wise, it's a trash movie for sure. But, everything else about the movie is actually pretty strong. I would argue that the atmosphere, the cinematography, is amongst the best in the series. Michael Myers himself is amongst the best in the series. This is probably, other than the first one, maybe my second or third best presentation of Michael in the series. Um, and I do like the characters. 
Now, clearly, Jamie Lloyd was done wrong, of course. But I like Kara. I like Tommy. I like, obviously, Dr. Loomis. Um, I even like um, Beth and Tim, even though they were stupid. But that's it. Well, yeah. <laughs> they were rough around the edges. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, for me, I'll be honest, this movie has a lot of rewatchability. I can watch this movie... Along with the first one, the second one, the fourth one, um, and maybe because I just watched Halloween Five, it seems so much better than Halloween Five. So maybe I'm making a leap here, but I'm gonna go two stars. I feel like it's an average movie. I feel like it's a fun Halloween movie. Um, I don't think it's as good as the first two, and I do like Halloween Four better. But I think it's right there for me with Halloween Three. And again, the movie gets a lot of hate, but if you if you get past how bad the storyline is, you can enjoy it. It has good kills too. You can enjoy the kills. You can enjoy the atmosphere, the characters, Michael. I think it's middle of the pack. It's not in the bottom tier with Resurrection Part 5. So I'm giving it two stars, and I got a soft spot for this. Like Freddy's Dead, which also I think does have a lot of rewatchability. So I'm going by that. So, I love how he says, like, Freddy's dead. Yeah, I was the one who defended the movie. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Freddy's dead. I wish I could have defended that more. But once we really broke it down, I was like, shit, man. There's so much on the change about this movie. Anyway, so oh, for me, I like the set. I, I definitely love the score of this movie. I love the little rock edge it has to it. But, again, that's probably because this movie is a little bit more action-y than the previous ones. Michael is definitely a better villain in this one than he was in four, five, and two. Be- just because I feel like this Michael could have actually caught his victims other than trapping them in a house. He did. He caught the dude in the tunnel <laughs> and destroyed his face. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Not to mention the kills are actually extremely fun to watch. They're gory. Again, this is the theatrical cut. And overall, and. The lighting, the atmosphere, everything was actually spot on. The director, the director did a solid job. The director did a solid job. If you job. gave him a good script, mm-hmm. he'd probably make a kick-ass movie. Yeah. So really, the downside is the plot, the script, because oh. there's a lot of some, there's a lot of corny lines, especially coming out of Paul Rudd. He's probably the only. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a lot of them. And the DJ, there was no point in the DJ except to add to the body count. Crotchless panties. Oh my god, woof. Um. So overall, it's definitely loads better than part five, but without a good script, without a good plot, you're going to lose the audience. The audience isn't going to care. And so overall, I'm still going to give it a step down from what Vic gave it, which is one and a half. It's fair. It is fair. I'm on, on Nick is a notoriously hard grader. So one and a half really is actually like two stars for most people. <laughs> <laughs> so so really he's saying he actually likes it when he gets a one and a half stars as always folks you don't have to go home but you do have to go to sleep it's like midnight what are you still doing awake right now and nick you know based on modern technology they could be listening to this at any time of the day because they're not listening at the same time we recorded it right i am literally an old man how am i supposed to know any of this it's neither midnight for us it's like, old delay it's like 10 o'clock <laughs> i got 2205 on here that's past midnight my guy Folks, it's true. You don't have to go home, but don't drink as much Mountain Dew as Nick does because clearly his brain is melting as we speak right now. What are you talking about? I haven't even drunk a whole two liter yet. It's your second two liter, isn't it? <laughs> Fair. Um. <laughs> Folks, uh, next week we'll have Halloween H2O, which means that don't be dehydrated. Drink plenty of water before you listen to our podcast. And also means to subscribe to our YouTube page here and Leave some feedback, leave some comments, and we appreciate all the feedback so far.